0: One of the things we've been talking about pretty consistently over the last week is ESPN's predictions for the Chicago Bulls and their win-loss record. We're going to look at the teams predicted to finish below the Chicago Bulls and how, if the Bulls do finish as ESPN predicts in the bottom five of that Eastern Conference, what that could actually mean for the future. We're also going to talk about Bulls players that are putting up big numbers over in FIBA and what P.J. Washington's new contract with the Charlotte Hornets may signify for Patrick Williams and his contract talks with the Chicago Bulls we're gonna get to all that plus a little bit of the mailbag right after this you are now tuned in to Chicago Bulls Central your number one spot for all things Chicago Bulls hosted by Hayes what's going on Bulls fans welcome to another episode of Chicago Bulls Central your number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related, I'm the host, sir Hayes, but more importantly, you can follow the channel at Bulls Central Pod on every social media platform we happen to be on. With that being said, let's go ahead and get into the content for today. And first up, I wanna talk about the Bulls, the win-loss predictions that the ESPN has for the Chicago Bulls, and this is going to kind of be the last time we really touch on this subject. I haven't really talked about m- many of the teams that were predicted to finish below the Chicago Bulls. So as you guys may know, the ESPN has predicted the Bulls to finish with around 37 wins, right? And that, uh, they predicted them to go 37-45, and that means that puts them in the bottom five of the Eastern Conference and missing the play scenario. Other teams that they have around, that is the Toronto Raptors, Charlotte Hornets, Detroit Pistons, and Washington Wizards. Now, If the Bulls were to finish in the bottom five of the Eastern Conference, what would that mean for the team? And no, I'm not going to talk about a full rebuild or blowing it all up because as I've kind of talked about consistently on the channel for the last like year or so, a blow up is not happening with this front office and how they sit with this team. But a bottom five finish for the Chicago Bulls, considering that they do have their own first round pick outright, meaning they don't have to hope for it to fall in a certain area or whatever, no matter what happens with the Chicago Bulls season this year, their, their record They get to keep that pick. And so if the Bulls were to finish in the bottom five of the Eastern Conference, which also put them in the bottom half of the league, right up towards the bottom of the league, meaning that they'll have a lottery pick. And so if the Bulls do have a lottery pick, how could that change the future of the Bulls? Now, one question that we always are going to have with this front office is like, okay, is this front office, even if they do end up with a top 10 pick, Are they going to select the right guy? Are they going to get lucky, right? Are they going to, you know, draft another hugely upside guy that that we are talking about three and four years still being two or three years away after that amount of time, right? But here's the thing, and I've always said this, is that regardless of what happens, I do think that AK is in a place right now of letting this Bulls team come to whatever the natural conclusion is. I said that last season, and I think that's even more powerful this season, considering where, where that the Bulls have their own first round pick outright, and it'll be for the first time in three for three drafts in a row. Because you look at it, last year we owed our first round pick um, outright, and then next year we also owe a first round pick to the to the uh, San Antonio Spurs. So this is really the Bulls. They, they're going to own their own first round pick outright for a while, right? And so you know, a a, a a bottom five finish for the Chicago Bulls, which would mean another stressful, a bad season, another season in which we're looking at the front office, we're looking at this roster, we're looking at the players, we're looking at the coach, we're looking at everything and the utter disappointment. But if the Bulls do finish bottom five and get that lottery pick, does that change anything for the Bulls in the upcoming offseason? And, you know, this was a question that was presented and I saw we talked about over on Chicago Bulls Reddit, and I'll say, I don't think that it necessarily does, right? I think that if the Bulls do end up with a lottery pick this upcoming year, that they are just going to add that as a low cost talent, they're probably still going to try to bring Demar Derozan back. Which you know have to ask your question yourself. That question is: Will Demar come back for a team that finishes bottom five in the Eastern Conference? But all, all things aside i don't think that this is really a likely scenario like i do i do think that the bulls are going to come in they're going to surprise a lot of teams and a lot of a lot of the outlets predicting the bulls downfall and a lot of the fans thinking that it's going to happen as well they're going to be sorely disappointed when it's all said and done but you know that chance does exist and so ak is probably playing the averages here if this team does disappoint let's say it does let's say this team has a, another struggle of a season all right bet you're getting a lottery pick right if the team doesn't and it thrives you still have your own first-round pick. Could you use it to move some things or whatever else? You're still going to add a low-cost talent. So I don't think that a bottom-five finish for the Chicago Bulls, unfortunately, really changes much. Uh, the one thing that I would hope that it would change is the head coach. And that's my personal opinion because if you're adding another lottery talent to this team, you have to look at it and say, hey, do we have the right coach to continue developing all these young guys we keep acquiring over the last couple of years? But you know, somebody asked uh, you know, in the comments, and like I said, we had the conversation over on Bulls Reddit, um about what would happen if ESPN's predictions is right I just think it doesn't really change much I think AK is still going to stay the course and let this team go naturally and develop naturally hopefully and and he's going to hope that it's going to end up paying off in the long run we'll end up seeing if that's the case but all right let's get into the next topic for today so we got some Bulls players that put up huge numbers over in feeble play we had uh, Nikola Vucevic against Mexico putting up 27 points 10 rebounds four blocks listen Vooch looked like old all-star Vooch out there. And it was good to see him out there. And we've seen players before with international play. It's kind of used as like an extended um, training camp, right? So the players are coming in with, a, with, with already ready to go, right? And so we don't have a lot of Bulls players playing over in FIBA. I don't think we have – we don't have one Bulls player on the uh, u.s team but we do have him and carly jones who we're going to talk about as well but nikola vucevic i think playing over internationally as long as no knock on wood no injuries happen i think it's just going to have him he's already a vet he's going to come in he's going to be ready to go but you know that conditioning all those things getting back from off-season mode to in-season mode is going to be easy transition for him and hopefully he really hits the ground running much like we want to see the team do overall now carly jones Put up an absolute monster of a stat line. 35 points, 11 assists, six rebounds, four steals. I've never seen Carly Jones play on ball defense the way that he did in the international play. And that could be players a little bit smaller there. Um, You know, he's not as outsized as what he is playing in the NBA level. And so I, I wanted to acknowledge that the reigning G League MVP, I still do think there's a high probability and chance that Carly Jones is not brought back by the Chicago Bulls. Um, I do think that, you know, there there is a chance that they're going to non guarantee his deal, deal. They have until October 16th to do it, but Carly Jones is going to get a shot, whether it's on another G League team or eventually on the NBA level. And not just because of his scoring. I think that when you look at the activity, Carly Jones does have some playmaking ability. Not the greatest playmaker. He's never going to be a player that you want to set up your half court offense or anything like that. And I think I look at Carly Jones scoring, especially in the G League, and I think that he's going to have difficulty getting that shot off. But Carly has shown some other things in his game that you can look at and say he's going to get a shot. Maybe it's here on the Chicago Bulls. Considering the guard depth that we have, I don't necessarily expect it. But hey, shout out to Nikola Vucevic and Carly Jones for both putting up pretty big numbers for for their international teams over in FIBA. But all right, let's, let's get into the last topic for today before we get into the mailbag. So P.J. Washington was one of the biggest name for agents still remaining out there, right? And he was a restricted free agent, which really added to where why he hasn't really gotten offers from other teams. I know a lot of Bulls fans were hoping that the Bulls were going to make an offer, even though they couldn't have with the disabled player exception, and they weren't going to ever use their full mid-level exception on a player like uh, P.J. Washington. But he gets a three-year, $48 million deal that's rated at $16 million annual average salary. So that's what it is, but I want to talk about what that could mean for Patrick Williams in this upcoming contract scenario now they're both in very different situations when you look at the Charlotte Hornets them bringing back miles Bridges them also dra- uh, drafting Brandon Miller they have that that four depth on that team is gonna be it's gonna it's gonna it's getting deep over there right and, and they have something you know it's a good thing to worry about when you have those players that all kind of play around that three-4 position you could throw in Gordon Haywood in that as well even though I don't think he's going to factor into their long-term plans personally but you know, they have that. And so P.J. Washington getting $16 million on average a year, I think, does set a precedent in a way. Now, you look at it, he's older than um, than Patrick Williams by three years, I think. So he's older than him considerably. Well, shout out to Patrick Williams, whose birthday just passed yesterday. He just turned 22 years old. But it's not that much of a difference to where I think it's going to play hugely in the contract negotiations. But when you look at P.J. Washington, he was their fourth overall scorer last season averaging 15.7 points per game, about five rebounds per game, 2.4 assists, on 44% uh, shooting from the field. And P.J. Washington, much larger part, even though he's the fourth largest scorer on that team, much larger part of their offense, getting 13.5 shots per game, the most in his NBA career last season with the Charlotte Hornets, shooting the ball at a 34% clip from three-point range, taking about 5.9 three-pointers per game. But I do think this kind of sets that area and what we can expect patrick williams we know he can sign a contract extension up upwards of over 100 million dollars per year and while the chicago bulls i think are going to be more motivated to keep patrick williams than what the charlotte hornets were with with pj washington it does start Getting there. The one thing we know about the NBA, you start seeing kind of precedents set with salaries. And with the salary cap rising each and every year, Patrick Williams going into restricted free agency next year, his qualifying offer is $12.9 million. So we already know he's getting more than that qualifying offer. So as we push closer, I do think that this may set up Patrick Williams to get about. million annual average value out of that salary and so I know a lot of Bulls fans are going to look at that and say damn you're paying Patrick Williams who's your fourth option on offense maybe even fifth at times who is passive P at times things like that you're going to pay him $18 million a year keep in mind $18 million a year factors into less than 10 percent of the salary cap especially as it's projected to increase but I do think that's the the contract value around that we can expect Patrick Williams to be at now Can Patrick Williams up his output, right? And it's not just about scoring. I think so often with Patrick Williams, me, I put myself out there, right, as far as holding myself accountable and other Bulls uh, fans, we talk about it in the sense of scoring. Patrick Williams' value is much more than scoring, and most NBA players' value is much more than scoring, especially with the brand of on-ball defense that Patrick Williams plays. We already talked about, you know, the isolation, least scored on player in isolation, all that. That's a a great number and, and whatnot. But I think when you look at Patrick Williams and how he can impact the game, it's more than scoring, right? Especially on this version of the team with as many ball-dominant players that we have on this team. The way that Patrick Williams needs to impact the game overall next season, yes, he needs to take open shots for sure, right? We want to see them take that more confidently, but it is playing lockdown defense where you can, right? Getting out in transition where you can, rebounding the ball better, blocking shots a little bit more, upping those those the frequency and volume of that. His block percentage is actually pretty good. Last time I checked, I believe he was in like the 88th percentile as far as in block percentage. Right, as far as the 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 blocks that you're in position to get, he gets about 88 percent of those. But we all know that Patrick Williams can increase with the aggression level, things like that. And so I I expect Patrick Williams to get about 18 million dollars a year. Looking at that, now we could get another deal signed that can that can drastically you know change kind of that market value. And it really comes down to the Bulls, right? And what, how they're able to, to value Patrick. They may not want to even get into a place of him going out and finding his own deal in restricted free agency, much like they really didn't with Kobe. And we saw, saw them sign Kobe right at the start of free agency. If they do that, they're probably going to pay a little bit more. So be on the lookout for that too. But I, I do think that, I don't think, P. Will is going to get the max I, unless he really shows out this season. And again, it's more than just showing; it's more than just scoring for him to technically show out. But if he does that, it, it could be a pretty good season for Patrick Williams, as far as uh, you know him. Him, you know, stepping up and, and being more of that gap filler is what we what we labeled him before is this filling the gap between the starters, right? Being the guy who kind of congeals everything together. And then when you do get more opportunities, right? At times last season, we we did see Patrick Williams kind of stay pa- more passive at times, even when DeMar and, and Zach were off the floor. You know, I, again, I, I don't want to see Patrick Williams all of a sudden turn into this, oh no, give it to me, everything's going through me, I'm just shooting it, because that's not his game. But Patrick Williams offers so much as far as well-rounded possibility. Want to see him facilitate more. That that would be on head coach Billy Donovan get, get allowing him more opportunities to facilitate at times when like a DeMar's off the court, things like that, right? We want to see Patrick Williams start taking those steps. And the steps are more than just scoring. Let's not just get uh, Patrick Williams' value and just look at it as what that scoring output is because he can offer so much more than that. Let me know what you guys think on that. Do you think that P.J. Washington's deal may may signal something as far as the negotiations with Patrick Williams? Maybe I'm just looking too much into that. You guys can let me know what you think on that. But all right, let's go ahead and get into the mailbag portion of today's episode. We got two mailbags we're going to get into. This first one, this one's from Reginald. Hey
1: hey, this is Buddha from Columbus, Georgia. I was just uh thinking about uh you don't know, have to a comment about Giannis. Uh what would you think would it take to get him on the board? I doubt any conversation uh regarding the trade will require any less than four first round picks. But uh if you but I'm also looking at the news they're with M B and knowing all the drama they got, there's no way he stays there for like another two years. So what would you rather have on the Bulls? in a Bulls
0: jersey, Embiid or Giannis? Embiid or Giannis in a Bulls jersey? I think that both are a long shot, just to be 120% honest. Like, I don't see either one of them being in a Bulls jersey. Um, But if who would I rather see between the two? Man, that's such a difficult question to ask, man. I'd probably say Giannis because I feel like Giannis is – it depends because if you're keeping Zach Levine, I think that Zach Levine and Joel Embiid can be more of a one-two punch. Like, but Giannis, too, like, Giannis can fit on almost any roster. Like, oh, man, that's such a difficult question. I honestly didn't think it would be this difficult when I first listened to your voicemail um, on, on who would I rather see. I'm going to go with Giannis. I think Giannis presents less injury concerns. I think also, like, if you have Giannis and Zach Levine, uh, the big man that you have there, you, you have more flexibility in what you kind of need there. Ah, man, that's still, I, I. you can't go wrong with either one of them, but I think also Giannis is, is if I'm not mistaken, he's a little bit younger as well. Um, but Joel Embiid is just such an amazing player too. Like, it's just, man, that guard-big-man combo, such a deadly combo in the NBA that it's like you tend, you tend to want that if you can get it, if you can get a great big man pe- paired with even an above-average guard, especially scoring-wise, like, that's monstrous. But you look at both players and Giannis, and Joel Embiid, both averaging over 30 points per game, both being effective shooters uh, well scorers as well, uh, both having the ability to put the ball on the floor. I think maybe Joel Embiid is a little bit more of a versatile offense. I I still don't even know if I, if I feel comfortable saying that. like, man, that is a, that is really a difficult question. I'm going to go with Giannis. I'm going to stick it in with Giannis because I just think I look at Giannis and I say that Giannis is just an amazing player. Joel Embiid has injury concerns. When you look at Giannis' career uh over the last handful of games like I mean handful of years he he hasn't played any season in his NBA career. He hasn't played less than 61 games. 61 games is the least amount of games that Giannis Antetokounmpo has played since his career began. We're talking about Joel Embiid uh you know 31, 63, 64, 51, 51, 68, 66. So shout out to Joel Embiid for getting more healthy over the last couple of years but like Giannis is just like Iron Man, so I'm gonna go with Giannis Antetokounmpo on this one. But you guys can let me know. You can't go wrong with either one. um If I had to think of one being more likely, though, that situation in Philly, I think is 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 bound to blow up. I think Daryl Morey is gonna have to blow everything up sooner rather than later. And I think Joel Embiid. I look at Joel Embiid, even though Giannis has said the whole thing about if they're not on the same page, going to a different team, and that's when he'll resign or won't resign or whatever else. I look at Joel Embiid, and I think that his his quietness kind of. It's very loud, and I think that if this situation in Philly keeps going the way that it's gone the last couple of years, we're going to see Giannis, I mean, uh, 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 Joel quietly get the hell up out of there. That's kind of my opinion on that one. You guys can let me know down below. All right, let's get another voicemail in here. We got this one from Casual Code.
1: All right, I had a question for you about um, Mr. DeRozan. Here's my wondering is um, where do you think his head's at? I mean, I don't know him. I don't know if you know him or have talked to him, but is he a ring chaser? Is he's gonna be getting, you know, thirty five or is he a money chaser? Um the Bulls probably will offer him more money than anybody else, but do you think that he will uh take it as this would probably be his last chance to make, you know, a decision on where he plays? Um the you know, will he go for, you know, big contract or is he gonna look around because I mean, I don't see it as the Bulls can win a championship with this roster. Um and <clears throat> I don't think really many people think that they can, in barring a unforeseen leap by you know Levine into being that guy, you know being him if you will, as the cool kids say, or I think Williams would have had the chance to do that too. Um, I mean, but if it starts you know looking there like 500 team, you know what do you think they're going to do? Are they going to try to extend to Rosen to keep a 500 team together, trade him? you know, start making some changes then. Uh, What do you think about that? Will DeRozan want to stay on a 500 team at this age? Uh, Just where do you think that would shake out? Or is that going to be the catalyst for some changes? Uh, Let me know what you think. All
0: right. This is actually one of your better voicemails. I'll give you credit for that one. Is, is Will DeMar DeRozan ring chase? I, I I wish I had a, a more solid answer for you on that one, brother, because I really look at it and say, damn, that there's a possibility he will, right? Like, I think people got to remember, too, like DeMar DeRozan and the Chicago Bulls, that was not, like, I don't even think the Bulls were probably on DeMar DeRozan's top five. Like, it kind of came out of necessity. DeMar didn't get the deals that he wanted. The teams kind of, some of those teams kind of backed out as well. And the Chicago Bulls were sitting there ready to make a move, having some money and some flexibility in, in what they can do and operate a sign and trade. And they made it happen. But DeMar's time here in Chicago has been great. I think Chicago has treated him well. I think he's taken to the city well. I think that the fan base loves him here. And I think that Demar Derozan is a loyal guy. I don't think Demar would have ever, for example, left Toronto had they not traded him away. So because of that, I do think that there is a possibility, for sure, that uh, that you know Demar Derozan stays here in Chicago. And I, I, but that ring chase possibilities always it always increases as players get older, especially a player like Demar. You look at the accolades that he's had in his career. Yeah, hasn't won a bunch of a single single uh, player awards or anything like that. But like. He's, he's about to be top 25 in scoring in the NBA, possibly in history, right? And so he may want that last accolade of of winning an NBA title before he rides off to the sunset. And I, for one, I would not blame DeMar DeRozan. DeMar DeRozan left the Chicago Bulls and joined a contender. I, ha- I would have no ill will to DeMar DeRozan for doing that. None. He came into Chicago. He was exactly what we needed. He, he, he's mentored the young players. And like I said, the impact that DeMar DeRozan has had on the young guys here is hopefully going to be something that pays off dividends for years and years to come for the Chicago Bulls. As long as those guys stay in the Chicago Bulls organization. So I, I, I would honestly put it at a 50, 50 chance. I do think the Bulls are going to offer him the most money. Um, and it just comes down to, is the money enough? And, I don't, and you, I, I don't like the way that you worded that saying, is he a ring chaser or is he a money chaser? I don't look at DeMar DeRozan chasing money. I don't think that that's what it is, but I do think the, the Bulls are going to offer him the most money, and DeMar deserves to, to try to get that NBA title before he retires. He deserves to do that. With what he's done, he deserves that. So I'll, I'll put it at 50-50, but the Bulls are going to offer him probably the most money. It just really depends on what DeMar DeRozan's motivations are. You guys can let me know what you think on all that down below. That's my time for today. Make sure you guys are following the channel at Bull Central Pod. You can send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns. Bulls at gmail.com. And lastly, if you want to leave a text message and our voicemail for the mailbag episodes, the number to do so, 773-270-2799. We are the number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related because of you guys. We've been doing it for two years, man. And like lights in every episode on. Go Bulls. Love you guys. See you right if you can, y'all. Peace.